you are thinking about freedom, thinking about freedom these days, freedom to do uh, what we'd like to do, freedom to do what we were created to do, uh, freedom to do the things that it seems like people are trying to take away some of those freedoms. I've, I've read some pretty discouraging things this past week about um, what they're trying to do to pastors and, and the freedom that we have to be able to proclaim truth from our pulpits because what we're proclaiming is offensive to people. Imagine that. Imagine that. Um, I'm just glad that it's not me that came up with the offense. It was God, but God can handle it. Amen? All right. So that being said, we're, we're thinking about freedom today. And we're going to talk about freedom. And we're going to talk about the most important freedoms that we have. And across the board, if we ask everybody here, we may get different answers. You know, I'm thankful for uh, my freedom of speech and, and my freedom of religion, and I'm f thankful for this and that. What is our most important freedom? I want to read about Patrick Henry, uh, who was a famous statesman from colonial Virginia, and he was their first governor, and he was reelected four times. So he was a pretty popular guy. You don't get reelected unless somebody likes you, right? Isn't that how it works? People vote for you because they like you, and then you get back into office four times. And they tried to do it a fifth time, but he retired. And they actually voted him in anyway, and he said, no, I'm retired. I don't want to do this anymore. I wonder why that was. But this was way back in the day of, you know, George Washington. And George Washington even tried to, uh, to get him to join his cabinet, become Secretary of State. Uh, he later wanted to appoint him as Chief Justice of the Supreme Court. Uh, but he refused it all. He, he was done. He was retired. He was ready to, to enjoy his retirement. And so this is what he said, though. You got to imagine that this guy had some, some influence, uh, that, that people respected him and appreciated what he said, and that he probably knew what he was talking about when he said this. It cannot be emphasized too strongly or too often that this great nation was founded not by religionists, but by Christians, not on religions, but on the gospel of Jesus Christ. We don't hear that much, do we? The country was founded on the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's, I like that. Do you like that? I would really love to hear somebody with some influence in this world <laughs> say that on live television. They couldn't, you know, block it out. But anyway, so also this is pretty neat. In his last will and testament, uh, he filed his last will and testament at the Brookneal County Courthouse in Virginia. And if you read his will, you'll see that he bequeathed, he left everything that he had to his children, which is not really a big surprise. But in the last paragraph of his will and testament, he wrote this, I have now given everything I own to my children. There is one more thing I wish I could give them, and that is Christ. Because if they have everything I gave them and don't have Christ, they have nothing. They have nothing. But with Christ, they have everything. And with Christ, we have everything. And, it, and with Christ, we have something that's, that's really, uh, that's freedom. We have freedom in Christ. Freedom in Christ is the most important thing. I hope that we can all agree on that this morning. Because there are so many things in this world, in our minds, in our lives, that are trying to rob us of that freedom and take that freedom from us. So let me ask this question to you. 
Is there anything in your life that you have a problem resisting? Is there anything in our lives that we have a problem saying no to that seems to have a, a handle on us, that seems to have power over us, that seems to control us? You know, those things might be called addictions. And when we say addictions, then automatically we're going to think about drugs, we're going to think about alcohol. You know, when, when I was growing up and my, the people that I respected who were teaching my Sunday school classes and my training union classes and my RA classes, they would always say, uh, stay away from drugs and alcohol. Stay away from drugs and alcohol. So that's kind of ingrained in us, isn't it? Stay away from drugs and alcohol. And so uh, that's what we think about. And, and anybody that has had an addiction to these, these substances or anybody that has been close to somebody who has will tell you how difficult it is to break away from that and how difficult it is to get away from that. And I think we probably all understand that. But have you ever thought about how some things that we can be addicted to are seemingly innocent things, things that in the right context would be good for us? Let me give you some examples here. What about eating? Eating. Watching television. Sleeping. Shopping. Ministry. Sports. Or work. You know, these are things that we enjoy. These are things that, that bring, us, bring a smile to our faces. But they can become addictions, can't they? You know, you can eat too much. It is possible. Yes, I see some knowing glances. I even saw a hand or two raised up. Hallelujah. Okay. Uh, you can sleep too much. You can sleep too much. I see some people looking at some other people. Uh, you can work too much. You can play sports too much. We can, we can make ministry the priority and do it to such an excessive degree that the ministry becomes our God, the ministry becomes our idol, the ministry can become our bondage. In all of these things, we can, we can live in bondage to all of these things if we do them to an excessive amount or to a, an excessive degree. And, and the thing is, that's not what God intended for us. That's not what he wanted for us. That's not what he wants for us. He doesn't want us to live in bondage to anything. And he has not designed us to live in bondage. He has not designed us to press, to live in oppression and in bondage to these things. But probably every one of us in here would say that we feel like there is someone, something that we are sometimes or a lot of the time in bondage to. But what we have been designed for is to enjoy this life that he has created for us. So if we're living the way that God wants us to live, we are really enjoying our life. So the next question is, are you enjoying your life? Am I enjoying my life? And if not, what's the problem? Why are, why are we not enjoying our lives? He wants us to enjoy our freedom. What are we doing with our freedom? That's God's will for us, that we have uncompromising, unrelenting, unconquerable freedom. Now, maybe all sorts of thoughts are running through your head right now. Freedom, yeah, I wish I could be free, or I wish I was free. If you're in Christ, you are free. You are already free. Are you realizing it, though? Am I living it? Do I understand 
what that fully means. Am I living to the absolute fullest and the freedom that God has given me? Let's talk about that this morning. And let's go to Galatians chapter 5, the first 12 verses. And we're going to look at these verses again, and we're going to take a look at them and see what they have to tell us this morning concerning our freedom. This is a letter that Paul wrote to the churches in Galatia. Verse number 1, he said, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. It is for freedom, in other words, that Christ has made us free. Some of us live like it is for bondage that I've been made free. But here we see it is for freedom that we have been made free. And be not entangled again with the yoke of bondage. Behold, I, Paul, say unto you that if ye be circumcised, Christ shall profit you nothing. For I testify again to every man that is circumcised that he is a debtor to the whole law. Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. For we, through the Spirit, wait for the hope of righteousness by faith. For in Jesus Christ, neither circumcision availeth anything, nor uncircumcision, but faith which worketh by love. Ye did run well. Who did hinder you that ye should not obey the truth? This persuasion cometh not of him that calleth you, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. I have confidence in you through the Lord that ye will be none otherwise minded. But he that troubleth you shall bear his judgment, whosoever he be. And I, brethren, if I yet preach circumcision, why do I yet suffer persecution? Then is the offense of the cross ceased. I would that they, I would they were even cut off which trouble you. So, what's going on here? And what's, what's being said? What's the gist of the situation? What, what are we looking at here? What we're seeing is that the church of Galatians, that had started off so well with Paul's help and was doing so well, has come under the influence of the people that we will call the Judaizers, and they have fooled the Galatians. And they fooled them into thinking that they are responsible for some type of perfectionism. Now, who teaches or who preaches perfectionism in this day and time? Well, let's see. Revlon, L'Oreal, Gold's Gym. Um, you, know, you know what I'm talking about. See, the thing is, we all feel that pressure, don't we? I want to kick myself in the shin because I, lo I forgot the last line of that song. I was upset with myself, but if I get upset and let it bother me, then what I'm preaching about today, is, it's, it's for me. Because, there, you know, it's not for perfectionism. I'm up here singing because, I, because I've got somebody to sing about and I've got somebody to sing to, and, that, and I'm enjoying it. That's why I'm not up here to show you how I can memorize thousands of lyrics and never mess up one time. That will never happen. I'm not here to show you that I can stay on key all the time. That will never happen. So the perfectionism is a myth, and it will never, never, ever happen. Stop reaching for perfectionism in things of this world. It's not necessary. It's exhausting. It will ruin your life. It will make you into bondage. It will make you forget about your freedom. 
which is exactly what was going on with the Galatians. So the Judaizers are trying to get them to believe that they had to strictly adhere to Mosaic law. And that included circumcision and also some dietary restrictions. And they were, it was their belief that you had to go beyond the beginning of faith, go beyond the beginning of faith, and be perfected in righteousness by keeping the law. Yeah, yeah, trust in Jesus, and then do 1 through 600, and do every one of them, and do them in that order. And if you get out of order, you have to start all over again. And, and you know, I, that's, that's me. That's what I'm saying right there. But what they're telling them is, you know, just faith is not enough. And let's just go ahead and say it. They're saying Jesus is not enough. Now, tell me, explain to me, when is Jesus not enough? When has he not been enough for you? Well, that's what the Galatians were believing. They were, they were believing from the Judaizers that they had to keep the law and they had to keep it perfectly. But Paul had something different to say. He was trying to help them to see that they were being led away from freedom, freedom which is so important, was so important to people back then and so important to us in this day and time. They were being led away from freedom and they were being led to bondage, to bondage. And they were going backwards instead of forwards. And they were, they were trying to complete in the law what Jesus came and, and had already completed. He'd already taken care of everything. And, but, but they were trying to take care of things themselves. But the whole message that Paul was trying to get across to the Galatians, guys, 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 you're free. You are free. And what he tells us, what he's saying to us this morning is we are free. That first verse, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. So stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by the yoke of slavery. Do not let yourselves be burdened by the yoke of bondage. Be free. Be free. It's so easy, though, to take that step away from freedom and that step towards bondage. Because the enemy is crafty. He is a liar and he is good at what he does and he very much wants to pull us away and into the wrong direction and on to the wrong path so we got to be diligent we cannot let this happen because this freedom that we desire the freedom that the galatians had desired for so long had come in jesus and now they were being led away from that it seems impossible doesn't it so looking at these 12 verses we're going to look at some responses to this freedom that that the Galatians could have had, could have, and also responses that you and I can have to our freedom. So again, the question, what are you doing with your freedom? What are you doing with your freedom? Let's take a look in the first couple of verses here. The first thing I want to say, and, and two of these things, two of these things are going to be negative. There's two negative responses we're going to talk about and two positive responses. So for those of you who want the universe to be equal in the positives and the negatives and the good and the bad, <laughs> We're going to be kind of even in that. But let me just say that that good always wins because it has already won. Okay? So, moving right along, let's take a look at this. The first response that you and I can make to the freedom that we have is we can reject it. And they could reject it. Paul was telling them in these verses, he said, Mark my words, I tell you that if you let yourself be circumcised, that Christ will be of no value to you at all. And I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to the whole law. 
You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. So what it, what it all comes down to, even for the Judaizers and for the, and the Galatians that they were trying to affect, and really for us in this day and time, is this. They were trying to bribe God for blessings. They were trying to, uh, to do what they were doing so that God would be good to them, so that God would bless them. Do we ever do that? Do we ever look back at how good we've been and say, and, and we're looking towards something that's getting ready to happen, and we're like, well, I kind of think since I was really a good Christian back here that when that happens, God's going to take care of me, and he'll work things out the way I want him to. You ever, you ever think that, that you've done enough good things that God ought to reward you? You ever feel that way? Am I alone in this? Have you hoped that that's the way it was? Think about it. What we cannot, what we can't subscribe to, what we cannot believe, or what we, well, let me say this first. Paul is not trying to get us to believe that circumcision is a bad thing. Now, if you first read this without any kind of context or, or any idea of what's going on, you're thinking that Paul's telling everybody not to get circumcised. But that's not what he's saying here. What he's saying is that it's wrong if any act that we do is to bribe God for blessings or to try to get on God's good side. Any act. Circumcision just seems to be or just the thing that we're talking about here. And if we feel like we've got some kind of formula that we got going on or got, we're making God happy, then you know what? We're wrong because that's not the case. That is not the case. We cannot bribe God into blessing us. It's not going to happen. But this is the very thing that the Judaizers were wanting to do, and that's what they were teaching. If you just do this, and if you just do this, God will be very pleased with you. God will be very happy with you, and he will be very unhappy with the ones who aren't doing this. So you need to do this. And why would I want to do this? Because I want God to love me, because I want God to like me, because I want God to bless me. He already loves me. He already likes me. He already blesses me. More than I deserve. I, I don't deserve anything he does. So if I'm doing something to deserve something, then I've got the wrong thought process already. But that's what the Judaizers were thinking. And that's what we think. They were teaching the Galatians, if you just follow the law, you'll be on your way to perfecting your faith and on your way to the fullest and richest of God's blessings. So it's all about human effort. And it's not about grace. And it cheapens the grace that God has given us if we feel we have to work to get it. It cheapens it. Paul's response is that they are not to be tricked and not to, not to think that circumcision or anything that they could do in obedience to God could be offered to God and that God would, in response, have to give us some kind of a payment for it. If I'm good, God's going to do this. If I'm good, God's going to do that. If I do this, God's going to do that. God's going to do what God already has a plan. So where's our responsibility in all of that? Well, hopefully we'll see that here in just a few minutes. Um, there was a, a book by Chuck Swindoll called In the Grace Awakening. And he wrote about a, a missionary family that had gone overseas and they were so excited to be in the mission field and telling people about Jesus. But, you know, like everybody in life, they had things that they really liked, but when, where they went to be missionaries, they couldn't get it. And you know what it was? 
peanut butter. Can you imagine? I, was, I know some people who, all, if they were on a desert island, all they would want is peanut butter. I know, I know people. But they liked peanut butter. So what they did is they asked some of the people back stateside, hey, every now and then, if you could, could you drop us a, a container of Jiffy or Peter Pan or whatever into the mail and send it to us? Because we really love to have some, some peanut butter while we're over there. So here's the problem. The other missionaries uh, were saying the newer missionary family considered this to be, you know, not a big deal. It's just something we want. It's something that we enjoy. But the problem was that the other missionaries that were already there considered it a mark of spirituality not to have peanut butter. They were there to suffer. How dare you bring something you like over here? We're, none of us do that. What's, what's, that's weird. Why are you doing that? And the, the new family that liked the peanut butter thought, well, this is not really a big deal. We're here ministering in the way that God wants to. We just like peanut butter. We just want some peanut butter. Now, which side are you on? Think about it. Think about it. <laughs> peanut butter. So, so it became a really big problem. The pressure from the other missionaries became so intense because they wanted them to stop getting peanut butter. It became so intense, and they were pushing them to conform to this that the newer family gave up on and left the mission field. Um, what do you think about that? Isn't that kind of like the legalistic thinking that we can sometimes have as Christians? And, and how we sometimes push people away or discard dis or disregard or throw people away because of certain things that they do or say or they don't agree with us or we don't do things exactly the same way. This is what the Judaizers were doing. They were trying to press their beliefs and their thoughts onto the Galatians and trying to pull them away from their freedom. So they were rejecting the freedom that was the true freedom for a type of bondage that they were trying to get the Galatians involved in as well. So that's the first response that we see. Let's look at the next one. Well, before we go to the next one, I'm sorry I had a couple other things I wanted to say. You know, you can't do things and expect God to reward you for them just because you do them. And you also can't repay Christ for what he has done. Have you ever thought about that? Do you sometimes feel like you owe God something, that you have to repay him? Let me tell you, we can never repay what he has done for us. There is no way that that can take place. And... You know, it's easy to think that what God has done for us, this free gift that he's given us, is like a loan that we have to pay back or some, like, some advance wage that we've been given and we have to work for it. You know, it's real easy to get into that thought process and into that, that pattern. But that doesn't honor God. And we don't have anything to offer him. And I like what was said one night last week in Bible school. It was the first night and we were talking about how Noah found favor. Noah found grace. And Lori made the comment that grace is God's love coming at you when you don't have anything to give in return. And when we feel like it is, uh, we, ha we have to pay God back or we have to earn this that we've been given, then we, again, it cheapens the grace that God has given because he has given it to us freely. Now, William are you saying that. That once I get saved and receive this free gift that I don't have to do anything that I can. No, I'm not saying that. That's completely the opposite 
of what I'm saying because when you realize what you've been given and what grace truly is, your response to that is, I want to do, not I have to do, not I'm responsible for doing, but I get to do and I want to do. Do you see the difference? You see the difference there? I want to do. It's only through the cross that we have salvation. It's only through the cross that we have this new life that we've been given. And there is nothing that we can do to earn it. Period. Nothing. And if the Galatians committed to circumcision like the Judaizers are trying to get them to do, it would be an acknowledgement that the one that one is placing himself under law, thereby turning from grace and setting aside the work of Christ. If I believe I have to be circumcised to make God happy, then I'm throwing away the freedom that he has given me to be in a bondage to keep rules and laws and regulations. And any time that we obligate ourselves to the law, we cheapen grace. Any time we, we obligate ourselves to the law, we cheapen grace. Once they submitted to circumcision, it was like they were confessing that they think that Christ is not enough. Christ is not enough. I must do this as well. And if they submitted to circumcision, it was like saying the Holy Spirit is not really a good guide for my life because I also need to do this. I also need to be obedient to Moses if God is going to accept me. And almost to the point that you have to become a Jew to become a child of God. But the truth is that when Christ died on the cross for our sins and took care of that separation between us because of our sin, when he died on the cross to pay for our sins, and we accept that in his death on the cross, then we are completely covered and our debt is fully paid. So I don't have to do anything to get it, and I don't have to do anything to maintain it. But I want to do, and I, and I have the privilege of doing. And I think that's where we've messed some, some things up. So if we're trying to improve on what God has done by keeping regulations, if we're trying to improve on what God has done because salvation through Christ is not really enough, I have to do this and I have to do that and i got to be this and i got to be that, then we're cheapening what he has done. And there is no freedom in that. So we depend on grace. We don't depend on doing. We depend on grace. We depend on God alone and what he has done for us. It's so hard to do that because everybody else, everything else in this world says you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to to be worthy of this, you got to do that. And Jesus says, "Come as you are. Accept what I be free. What is there not to like in that? I'm so reminded of the children of Israel who were freed from bondage. And every time that there was a seed across, every time that there was a lack of food, every time there was a land full of would-be giants that they had to conquer, what was their response? Let's go back. Let's go back. We can't handle this. We can't do this. And God's like, I know you can't, but I can. Trust in me. Trust in me. That's what he wants us to do. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God and God alone. So we can reject it. 
we can also respond to our freedom with expectation with expectation but by faith we eagerly await through the spirit the righteousness for which we hope so when we trust god god works amen when we trust god that situation works it always works faith is living expecting god to honor his promises expecting god to do his best and to do what is needed for his own so living in faith means i just believe god's going to do what he said he's going to do he's going to take care of me because he and that that way of living honors god and it honors the grace that he gives us but forever there it seems has been this dilemma between faith and works today still so many pastors preaching the message it is it is grace it is faith it is not works how often does it have to be said until we get it really until we get it because how easy it is to fall back isn't it how easy it is to believe i've got to do something i've got to be something and john piper i think does such a great job does such a wonderful job of contrasting this i want you to listen to this he says works wants the thrill of feeling that it has overcome an obstacle. That's what works wants. The feeling, the thrill of feeling that you have overcome an obstacle. What a feeling that is. Those guys that worked on that, that uh, driveway yesterday, they overcame that obstacle, didn't they? The driveway was not where the driveway was supposed to be. It was somewhere else, and the driveway had to be moved back into the driveway. Do you understand what I'm saying? And and it was moved into the driveway and it was moved because of the rains and how ain't it just like god to send a flood during the noah's ark week of bible school think about that but it felt good to overcome that obstacle to get that finished and, and to do that but works wants the thrill of feeling that it has overcome an obstacle by itself but faith wants the thrill of feeling that god has overcome that obstacle there's a difference there you see that difference Works longs for the joy of being glorified as being capable and strong and smart. But faith longs for the joy of seeing God glorified for His strength and His wisdom. You see the difference? In its religious form, works accepts the challenge of morality, conquers its obstacles through great exertion, and offers the victory to God for His gratitude and applause and recompense. God, in this ministry, I have performed this and I have performed that. Shower your blessings upon me. That's what works says. Faith also accepts the challenge of morality, but only as an occasion to become the instrument of God's power. And when the victory is achieved, faith rejoices that all the glory and all the thanks belong to God. And you say, well, what about me? Well, what about you? What about me? What about you, William? He took care of everything for you at the cross. He took care of, of you. He takes care of you because He's with you every day. He is the God that is with you. He is never going to leave me. He is never going to forsake me. What more do I need? All that I need is you, Jesus. I don't need applause. I don't need to feel like I've accomplished something on my own. But if I... I believe that God accomplished something through me that's a different story altogether so what we need to proclaim today is that any good 
any good that comes in our life comes as a result of faith and not as a result of observing the law. It is a result of faith. Faith, so important. And good is the result that you and I can expect when we look to Him through faith to take care of us and our needs moment by moment. He is good. He will take care of us. We can expect that. That's how we respond to freedom. How else can we respond to freedom? The third way that we see in these verses is through compassion, with compassion. Respond with compassion. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value, the Scripture tells us. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So the only thing that counts is love. Love, love, love. There's that word again. Faith expresses itself through love. Love is the mark of true faith. Faith produces true love. It's like faith is like it's like when a good tree produces good fruit. Faith produces love. Do you see the similarity there? Faith produces love. And we truly love others when we stop using them to supply what we lack, when we stop using other people to supply what we lack, and we rejoice in the opportunity to supply them with what they lack. Do unto others. Love one another. What about me? God took care of me at the cross. He gave me at the cross. He rose again and gave me hope. He put His Holy Spirit within me. I'm never alone. I always have it. I'm never without it. That's what about me. That's what He's done for me. Do you see the worth of what, that, of what He's done? Do we see the freedom that we have? Can I give you another peanut butter illustration? There was a mother. How many of you have seen those, those pictures? I know several of you have. Uh, of the man uh, sitting at the table with a loaf of bread. I think he's cutting a loaf of bread. And I think it's called our daily bread. I want to I say that's what it is. But anyway, there was a mother that was watching her four-year-old son. He was sitting in a kitchen chair, and he was look, uh, up against the wall, and he was looking at this painting of an old man. And he was praying over a small loaf of bread. And what was so uncommon was that the boy sat there for so long and stood there looking for so long at that picture. And, and you just think, well, what's, what's so fascinating about a picture of a man praying over a loaf of bread and as she looked at him she she finally asked him what are you doing he goes looking he said it like that looking looking and she says well what are you thinking because she noticed that tears were starting to form around his his eyelashes what are you thinking and he didn't hesitate with his answer he doesn't have any peanut butter He wanted some peanut butter. And you know what? As simple as that illustration is, that's love in action right there, isn't it? That's what we're talking about. That is love at work. Meeting the needs of people who lack. Meeting the needs of people who have deficiencies. Because as we've learned in 1 Corinthians 13, love does not seek its own. It's not self-centered. It's not filled with self-pity. It doesn't talk about other people's faults. It doesn't fear speaking to strangers it does not reject god's call to give your life for others 
It does not waste money. It does not become preoccupied with self. It does not focus on things, but love focuses on people. Faith expresses itself through love. So with our freedom, we can, we can respond with love. With expectation and with love. And then the fourth thing, I'm almost done. The fourth thing that we can respond with, we see in verses 7 through 12. We can respond to our freedom with corruption. Verses 7 through, through 12 has Paul saying, hey, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you? Who kept you from doing what you were supposed to be doing? That kind of persuasion doesn't come from God. A little yeast works the whole batch of dough. I believe that God, I be, I'm confident in the Lord that you are going to take no other view. And the one that is throwing all this confusion your way, they're going to have to pay a penalty, whoever he is. Because, brothers, if I'm still preaching circumcision, why am I still being persecuted? In that case, the offense of the cross has been abolished. And as for those agitators, I wish they would go the whole way and emasculate themselves. Don't stop with just the circumcision, in other words. That's how serious this, this thing was. Paul was letting them know that the path away from grace, and this is true of you and me as well, the path away from grace does not come from our Creator. He will never lead you away from grace. The path away from grace has to come from someone else. And Paul uses a, an analogy here that all our sports people will understand. He's calling the penalty on the Judaizers for unsportsmanlike conduct. They were cutting in on the progress that the Galatians were making. And he was upset about that. They were in the way. Paul states that this, per, that this persuasion to forsake the path of faith for the road for works is not divine. It does not come from God. And he's wondering, how can you do this? You've tasted freedom. How can you go this way now? And he says the same thing to us. Now that we've tasted freedom in Christ, freedom from bondage, freedom from all things, how can we allow ourselves to fall under bondage of anything else when we have experienced the freedom that He has given to us? He wants them to get rid of this legalist mentality. He wants it gone. He says it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. I read about a soldier uh, named Stephen Shoemaker he was, getting, he was being deployed to Operation Desert Storm back in 1991, and he was getting ready to board a C-141 uh, transport to Shaw Air Force Base in South Carolina. And he had to go through some really tight security. And what they made him do is they, they made him put his bag through this x-ray machine, and they intensely looked at it and looked through it. And then they made him take every piece of metal that he had on his body off so that he could go through the metal detector. And they took from him his rifle as he went through all of this. And when he went through everything and had done what he was supposed to do, he asked the question, why'd you make me go through all that? And they said, well, we wanted to make sure that you weren't carrying any weapons on board as they handed him back his M16. Doesn't make any sense, does it? The same, the same applies to you and me. It doesn't make any sense when we have experienced freedom why we would allow ourselves to fall into bondage again. He, I think Paul was feeling that this, this legalistic way of thinking would show itself eventually and that the Galatians would see the nonsense of it and they would eventually get rid of the Judaizers. 
But what he wanted them to do is he wanted them to get rid of them now. They had to go. Because the longer that you allow them in here, the, the, the more damage that they can do. Throw away this, this way to bondage and remember the freedom that you have been given. Remember that. And so Paul preached the cross. He did not preach circumcision. The Judaizers preached the cross and circumcision, which is, which is the cross and works, basically. But Paul was preaching the cross. What more needs to be preached than the cross? Nothing else. See, the cross is a stumbling block. The, the cross is a stumbling block. How so, William? Well, when you look at the cross, you have one of two responses. You can either look at the cross and you are ecstatically happy because of what Christ did for you there and the freedom that you now live in. Or you are very, very angry because the cross takes away any ground that you have for boasting about what you have done. One or the other. And what Paul wanted the Judaizers to see when they saw the cross, when they thought of the cross, was freedom. Not bondage, freedom. He wants you and I to see that freedom as well. Freedom is so important to us, and we talk about it in this day and time, about fighting for it and making sure that it's not taken from us. But remember what true freedom is, and remember where true freedom comes from. So how do we apply this this morning? I think I've got three things. This is how we apply it. First of all, we have to resist any self-reliance. You have to resist relying on yourself. I have relied on myself and I have let myself down. I have believed in myself and I have let myself down. I have expected much of myself and I have let myself down. So self-reliance does not work, my friend. But total reliance on Christ does. Do you get that? Total reliance on Him. We can't do anything without Him. Nothing. We can't do anything without Him. Here's what God does. God comes down to help us. He comes down to help us to do what He requires. And we get to live by faith in that work of grace. His coming down is a work of grace. He has given us the ability and the strength to do what He wants us to do is grace. Because I don't have to come up with it on my own and I don't have to do it of my own strength. Grace, grace, grace. Grace everywhere. Self-reliance, nowhere. Grace everywhere. When we believe that we can do things on our own and that we can help God, God needs our help, then we're going the way of the Judaizer and that's not the way God wants us to go. We're going away from grace. And the road away from grace does not come from our Creator. So do not be self-reliant. Give up your independence and be free. Think about that. Give up your independence. Be free. Secondly, we live free because we live in the power of the Spirit. We live in the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is absolutely all that we need. It's through faith that the Spirit will push us. I love this. He'll push us into the current of where God's power flows most freely. The Holy Spirit will push us into the current to where God's power flows most freely. You ever seen Finding Nemo? You ever see when, when they, I'm not going to get this right. I, need, I should have watched it. 
before I say this, but do you remember when they had to get into the, is it the transatlantic waterway or whatever, and they jumped onto the backs of the, 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 the gnarly tortoises, you know what I'm talking about, or the, the turtles, you probably know what I'm talking about, do this please, so, so they, were, they were able to get into this stream of water that pushed them farther to where they need to go faster than they could have gone on their own. That's our life in the Holy Spirit. He puts us in the flow of the power of God. And things happen. Miracles happen that couldn't have happened otherwise. Go home and watch Finding Nemo. And when you see that part, you'll know what I'm talking about. Living in the power of the Holy Spirit. Think about this. It's through the power of the Spirit that we are compelled to greet strangers when we feel shy. To, to strike up a conversation with people that we don't know. It's through the Spirit that we can freely go to an enemy and plead for reconciliation. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit putting you in the flow of God's power. It's by the Spirit that we try to give an offering when we felt like we couldn't or we've never done it before. It's through the Holy Spirit that we can freely speak to our friends and our neighbors and our family about Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. So much freedom in that for you and me. None of these things just happen. We are propelled from the heart by a new appetite. We've been given a new heart that wants the things of God. And it will propel us towards the things of God with the power and through the power of God. It's all about God and what He can do. And us just allowing Him to do it through us. So don't rely on self. Realize the freedom that we have because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And finally, I say to this, be free. William, be free. Church, be free. Today in this society, being free means going out into the world and finding yourself and being independent and doing things the way that you want to do them. That's what freedom seems to be for a lot of people. It means... The absence of limitations. There are no limitations for me. I'm self-sufficient and I can do it. And I will do it. And I, then I will be free, we tell ourselves. Scott McKnight said this, For the apostle, freedom involves slavery to God and His will. While for modern people, for moderns, freedom means doing whatever I want to do. For Paul, freedom begins only in a relationship with God through Christ and in the Spirit. While for moderns, freedom means being by myself, being alone. For Paul, individual, social, and psychological freedom is the outworking, the glorious outworking for what God can do in a person through Christ and the Spirit. While for modern, those, modern people, those forms of freedom are the determining goal of life. For Paul, freedom was interdependence. Interdependence, depending on God. For the moderns, it is being independent. And if God's involved or not, it's irrelevant. So we have to redefine the modernist way of thinking. And let's say this. I am free to be what God has created me to be. I am free to be what God has created me to be. I am free to love and serve others generously. And I am free to build authentic relationships with God and with other people.
faith and love. Think about these things. So how are you responding with the freedom that you've been given? Are you saying to God, I can trust you with my whole life? I can trust you with every area of my life. I don't need anything to, to, to amp up my experience with you because all I need is you. I don't need to perform to perfection these tasks that the church has asked me to do or that I feel like is my responsibility to do. I don't do what I do for you because I feel like I have to. I do what I do. <clears throat> excuse me. I do what I do because I'm free and I can. And I want to. You know, we're so quick when we're involved in things to say things like, I wish that people would be more involved in this. It just seems a shame that there aren't any more people in it doing this. But you know, that's kind of throwing the Judaizers' way of thinking on people, is it not? Let's just do what we do without complaining. Let's do what we do because we're free to do it and we have the privilege, privilege of doing it for Him and see what God can do through that. When you say, okay, I'm free to be what God has created me to be. Let's all stand. I want you to bow your heads as we think about how we respond to freedom. Do we reject it? Hopefully not. Do we respond with expectation? Do we respond with compassion? Corruption? To corrupt the, the, the grace that God has given us? I think what God wants us to know, I think what Paul is trying to tell us, as you know, we just have to wait on the Lord. He is going to make us what He wants us to be, and He's going to do it in His time. Because He can, and because He will. And we love one another because we heard that faith expresses itself through love. And we be free. <laughs> we can be free. For freedom is given by the power of the Holy Spirit within us who directs us into a life that is abundant and full of joy so that we can say, I am enjoying my life. I am enjoying. It's so easy to say, trust God. It's so easy to say that. Sometimes that to people in difficult situations, we just using trite little Christian responses but trusting God is it it is the thing it is it is the necessity it's the privilege it's the joy and it is our freedom trust God so do you trust God this morning are you trusting him with your day today are you trusting Him for your future? Are you trusting that He has taken care of what's in the past and the present and the future? Is that something that you need to do? How do you respond to that? When you walk out of this room here today, maybe even before you do, your mind's going to be pulled away from what we've been thinking about, what we've been talking about. 
because that's just the way the mind works and that's how conversations go. But as we hear independence and as we hear freedom this week, thank God for the freedom that we have in Christ. Again, the freedom to be what he has created us to be. Before we pray, I would like just to mention that this, this week, this Wednesday, because of the holiday, we will not have Wednesday evening services, but everything will be as normal and next Sunday as well. And if you're going to be traveling this week, please be careful, be safe. When you come back, we want to see you looking happy, healthy, and tanned or not, whatever your choice is, and rested, and glad to see us. All right, let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for the freedom that we have because of you. Thank you for taking care of bondage. Father, I know there are times when we have chosen the way of bondage and slavery instead of the way of freedom and our decisions. Make us more aware and more alert when that takes place or is getting ready to take place. Help us to to think on and pray about and study on the grace of God and what it is and what it means for us. Help us to realize that when we are relying on ourselves and our human effort, that that is all in vain because everything that needed to be invested was invested at the cross and we can't add not one iota to that. But because of that, again, we are free. We are free to be what you have created us to be. So help us to allow you to put us into that flow where God's power is strong and it's given us what we need uh, to go where you want us to go and do what you want us to do. And all these things we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.